The Cubs won the World Series last fall. There's a guy in the White House that all the professional political pundits said it would be impossible for that guy to ever get elected. And, uh, I mean, these are just strange, crazy times. I don't know if um, some of you have, you know, heard some of the old timers. I'm not there yet. And you're not either, but some of the old timers saying, well, you know, I've lived a long time, but these are sure strange times we're living in. Mother of all bombs was dropped, the Moab bomb. I think you probably saw that this week, the largest ordinance uh, other than a nuclear ordinance in our arsenal. Strange times, a lot of strange things happening. And I think it's going to get even more peculiar and strange. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 17. There were some strange things going on in the first century, just like there is in the 21st century. And uh, we want to look at uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 14, for a, a moment or two this morning. I was raised in northwest Arkansas, a little town called Mountain Bird, and uh, probably never heard of it, but it's uh, halfway in between uh, Van Buren and, and Fayetteville. And... Um, there was a, a strange group that moved into our community just about 10, 12 miles from where I was raised in the little town of Alma. It was a, a group of uh, about 200, 250. They came from California. I think they had run into some uh, uh, legal tangles with the authorities out there, and they were a quasi-religious group uh, that uh, were cultish, to be very kind, but they claimed the name of Jesus. And their leaders were Tony and Susan Alamo. Anybody ever hear of Tony and Susan Alamo? And uh, so they not only had some legal troubles and some uh, nefarious uh, rumors of things going on, but you know now the end of that story. Many of you uh, know what happened to him just a few years ago. But you may not know what happened with his wife. They had several businesses. They had restaurants, they had stores, they had garages, and they had young people that they had taken off the street and taken off drugs and worked in these uh, stores and restaurants that they had. And uh, they had a huge compound outside of the little town of Alma, and they were a closed community, and and uh, 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 they were a little strange. But Tony and Susan Alamo, they were the kind that would wear all of the rhinestones, you know, and, and anytime Susan would come into town, come into the local Walmart, well, she was dressed out like she was, you know, at a awards banquet in Nashville or something, and so she drew quite a crowd. But she would often be seen getting gathering uh, baskets full of toys, shopping carts full of toys to give to the kids there within their compound. Well, Susan died, and that's not unusual. That's not strange, because all of us die, and Susan was no exception. She died. She had been sick, and they said she was going to get better. They said the Lord had told them that she was going to get better, and shortly after they announced that, she died. Well, we were waiting for a funeral, but the funeral never came. They announced to everyone and made it public that Susan was going to rise from the dead, they put her body in a glass casket. She was decked out in the fanciest clothes you ever saw, sequins and uh, pearls. And I mean, the, she was decked out in a glass casket and set in the rotunda of their main building. 
And they were praying over and they were announcing to the public and they would put it in the county newspaper. They are predicting that Susan will rise from the dead. Well, that's been several decades. And I don't know what they did with Susan's body. But she didn't rise from the dead. Now, if Susan would have got up and walked around and went to Walmart after everyone had seen her dead... That would have been a strange thing. That would have been news, not only in the little area where I was from, but it would have been news all over. Woman dead, been dead for days. She gets up. She still has on these fancy clothes with sequins, and she goes to Walmart. That would have been national news. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Strange things. Let's look and see what God's Word says. Verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. Now, that day, they loved to have visiting speakers come in and they had a place where if you were a speaker from out of town and you had a certain philosophy or a certain uh, new way of uh, viewing life, that they would let you stand up and speak and they would ask you questions and they would dialogue with you and everyone would gather. And that was sort of their uh, entertainment in that day in Athens. Now, we don't have anything like that today, do we? But we do have, everyone likes to get together on Facebook, and you're basically doing the the same thing. Here's my views, here's what I did, here's what you think about it. And so if you look at it that way, everything that's new is really old. And everything that's old seems to be new when it comes out, but it's really just the same thing. And some of them said, what does this babbler, seed picker, is what the original says. This this guy who's just going out and just throwing seeds of his philosophy and what he thinks, just throwing it out, he really doesn't know what he's talking about, but we'll hear what he has to say because it's it's interesting. Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities or deities or gods. Because, why did they think that? Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took hold of him, and they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. We want to put you front and center. We want to hear you. We want everyone to come in Athens, and you tell us about this Jesus and this resurrection from the dead stuff. We've never heard anything like this. We don't believe it, but it's fascinating that anybody would believe it. And so they said, We're going to give you a time to speak and a and a place to speak, and everyone's going to listen to you. Look at verse 20. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there in Athens would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Strange things. There's a lot of strange things that you hear. And we could just... Recount. I mean, you see so many strange things, hear of so many strange things, and you just wonder, is that true or is it fake news? You know, that makes the news nowadays, fake news. It's not real news. Strange things. And so these people said, 
we really want to hear about this. This is resurrection of the dead. We know everybody dies, but nobody gets up from the dead and walks around. Why would you believe that? Why would you say that? Why would you put your trust in that? That is strange. You know another reason why it's strange? Because death is the natural order of things. Everything we see dies. Everyone that we know or that we will know or ever have known will die. It's just the way it is. From the earliest part of our life, we learn that pain is full of pain. Life is full of pain. It's full of suffering. It's full of disappointment. People we put our hopes in or trust in, things that we've depended upon, that that the natural order of things is disappointment, is pain, is heartache. Nothing ever turns out the way that you hoped it would, the way you thought it would, the way you wanted it to. And then to top it all off, death. Isn't that just the way it is? It's the natural order of things. So when you say, or when someone says, either back in the first century when Paul was in Athens, or when I stand up today in the 21st century, and I say, hey, Jesus, He lived. He lived a perfect life. He died. He died on the cross. And you say, I have no problem with that. I believe in historical Jesus. I believe that he died. But when you say he rose from the dead, that changes everything. That's different. That's strange. That throws off the whole natural order of things, the way everything is in the world around us, in the world that we live in. All of us are headed for death. The minute we were born, we understand we were headed to death. We don't think about that. We try to push it aside until someone dies. The man who generously gave the steel beams that's a part of this construction passed away this week after a long battle with cancer, lived in our community. You have people that that have died in your life, some that you held very, very dear. You have people that have passed away, people that, that you thought maybe they would never leave, your, your grandfather or maybe a child. It's just not right that a child should die before a parent. We all think, well, why would that happen? It is the natural order of things, but it seems so unnatural when it happens. Death comes as an intruder. It comes as an unwelcome guest, but it comes to every home and every family and every life must inevitably end up there. It's just the way things are. Things are born, they live, and they die. Lindsay, my daughter-in-law, tells of receiving a ducks at several points i think for easter is that right Lindsay? at some point you receive little ducks did any of you give any little ducks or little chicks to kids or grandkids well Lindsay tells about when she was little she received little baby ducks and they grew up and become pets but she tells a story and i won't go into all the gory details but it's quite interesting those little ducks that were so cute and pets and wandered around in her backyard and she played with as a little girl they all met untimely and grisly deaths it's horrific it's horrible to talk about beautiful little ducks given on easter and they're dead 
I don't know if Lindsay's over it yet, and she's a grown woman, but it's the way things are. Someone overturning death? Someone rising from the dead? Now that's strange. That's strange. We want to hear more about that. Hebrews 10.27, and I want you to listen to this. It's appointed unto men. It's appointed unto you once to die. And after this, the judgment. We accept that we're going to die, but we don't want to talk about what comes after that. We don't want to speculate on that. I might be accountable to God. I might be accountable to my Creator for the life that I've lived, the choices that I've made whether or not I've chosen. There's going to be a lot of crying at the judgment. So thank you, Asher, for just perfect timing. I appreciate that. Because we, we think we have plenty of time to get ready for it. We think that we have all of life to live to get ready for that moment. Listen, if you're not ready to die today, then you're not really living. Because you're not really ready to live until you're confident about what happens when you die. And that's, who, that's what Jesus gives. That's what He came to do. He came not only to overcome death, but He came to give us life and a life that we could never have without Him. That's not church. That's not religion. That's not just a good person trying to live a good life. That overturns all of the natural order of things. Death brings sadness and sorrow. It's just, it just doesn't feel right. Have you ever been treated unjustly? Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever heard of horrible things happening to just precious, good, kind people? And you thought, that's just not right. Something is not right about that. Death is not right. What if the way things are, are not the way they're supposed to be? Did you hear that? What if the way things are, are not the way they're really originally intended to be. Paul had a message that he delivered, and he said basically this, God is, God is creator, God is ruler, God is sustainer, God is controller, and God reveals himself. And he revealed himself through Jesus, who raised from dead, overcame death. In Romans chapter 5, if you would turn there, if you still have your Bibles open, Romans chapter 5, verse 12 What if the way things are are not the way they're supposed to be? God created all that is. He is Lord over heaven and earth. But this is not what God intended for you. This is not what God intended for His creation. Death is an intruder. It's not what God had in mind. Verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was that one man? Adam, and death through sin, for the wages of sin is death. All of us have sinned. All of us are sinners like our daddy Adam. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world even before Moses and before the law was given. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Even if it was different than what happened with Adam and Eve, the point is the same. There's something fatally wrong with each of us. There's a fatal flaw deep within our soul. 
I don't care how good you are, how sweet you are, how wonderful you are at times. All of us are pretty rotten stinkers. All of us are far removed from what our God intended for us to be. Even we know that, don't we? Sometimes we we don't even know why we say what we said. We don't even know why we did what we did. We, we, We don't even know why we feel the way that we feel. We don't want that, but that's the way it is. But what if the way it is is not the way it's supposed to be? So many homes know brokenness and heartache and and, and, and suicide, and addiction, and suffering, and just all kinds of dysfunction of every kind that plagues and touches every one of us. But what if that was not the way it was supposed to be? What if God meant for there to be something different inside your heart, for your life to be something different than it is, for you to have a hope and a peace and a future and a confidence? That your God has made all things right. And he has made all things right for you. And you are right with him. And you can face the world. And you can face life. And anything that life throws at you. And you can face death when that comes. Because you're right with your creator. What if that is true? That changes everything. That upends everything. It's strange. I know to the modern ears and to the technological age that we're living in and to the uh, materialistic uh, intelligentsia uh, of our day, to those who think there is no God, I know that it sounds absolutely crazy strange. But what if it were true? And I'm here to say to you, it is true. The proof is an empty tomb. The proof is a life that's changed because of that empty tomb. Because Jesus lives, he changes lives. Are Christians perfect? No, none of them are. But they're fundamentally changed at the very core of their being. They can never be the same that they were before they surrendered to Christ. Why? Because he is alive. And he comes to live within those who will put their trust in him. Those who will simply call to him and say, Lord, I need you. My life is messed up. Lord, I know that there's something wrong with me. I know there's something wrong with my life as hard as I try to make it right. Lord, there's something wrong here. Lord, there's something wrong with this world that I live in. I want to make it a better place. I want to treat others the way I want them to treat me. But Lord, there's something wrong. What do we do about all that's wrong in the world? You start right where you are and say, Lord, what's wrong is right here. I can't do anything about everybody else and everything else. But Lord, although it sounds strange to me, I believe you rose from the dead and I'm going to put my trust and my faith and my confidence in you. Change me, come into my heart. Romans chapter five, verse 17 says this. If because of one man's trespass or sin, death reigned through that one man, death reigned for centuries, for millennia, death reigned. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Not through a church. Not through going through religious formalities. Only through one man, Jesus Christ, can grace reign and replace the master who has reigned for millennia, who has reigned and brought fear to you, the master of death that comes to all. 
Jesus is the only one that can overturn and overrule that master and overthrow him. He's the only one. Verse 20 says, grace abounded all the more. So that as grace, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to ask you a question. What's reigning in your life? Is grace reigning through Jesus Christ? I didn't ask you if you went to church. I didn't ask you if you were better than this person or that person. I didn't ask you how you measured up on the morality scale. I didn't, I didn't ask you that. Is death reigning or is grace reigning through Jesus Christ? If you pushed the Lord aside, if you just said, well, that's some kind of religious thing. It's fine for some people. It's not for me. Then death is still reigning in your life. It's looming over you. It will overpower you and overtake you whether you want it to or not. It will. It is your master and you are its slave. And everything that happens in life, all of the dysfunction and all the craziness and all the disruption and all that even you know is not right. It's going to keep raining and it's going to keep bringing pain and havoc and suffering in your life. When grace reigns, Everything changes. It doesn't mean there's not suffering, but grace reigns over suffering. It doesn't mean there's not chaos. It doesn't mean that there's not difficulty and struggle, but grace reigns over all of that. And then one day, we'll see the full unveiling of grace reigning and all things made new. All of us know that in our heart, that one day things have got to be made right. Can't just continue like it is. Surely this isn't all there is. Surely this isn't what life is all about. Surely there's got to be something more. Well, that something more is someone more. The man, Christ Jesus. And grace reigns through Christ. Is it possible for everything that is wrong to be unmade? Is that possible? You know, there are many, many things that for years... People said, that's not possible. That can't happen. Any of you alive in uh, 1892? Anybody alive? Probably not. In the late 1800s, when they started looking at steam vehicles and moving a little faster than horses and buggies you know, and, and, and going faster than you could on horseback, people started saying, and scientists, smart people started saying, you cannot go faster in the human body than a horse can run. Your body will begin to disintegrate and come apart. How many of you drove at least 60 miles an hour this morning to get to church? Did your body come apart? Well, it's up for debate, isn't it? I mean, some of us are just falling apart continually. But they thought that. They really thought that that was true. You can't do that. Oh, man can never go into space, the G4. And so on and on and on, the things that people believe come to find out they're not true. She said, well, I trust in science. I trust in the smart people. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Because they're constantly proving themselves wrong. They're constantly, how many of you heard salt is bad for you? Now they say it's good. Chocolate's bad for you. Now they say it's good. It, they're just, they can't make up their minds. It's just back and forth. I can't keep up with them. So I'm just going to eat chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and gravy. If it kills me, it kills me. Because they're constantly wrong. They don't know. 
But is it possible for all that is, everything that now is, to be undone, unmade? Yes, it is. Jesus did that, rising from the empty tomb. That's when everything changed. Everything that is, everything that is reigned in all lives, in your life, in my life, suddenly can be undone, can be unmade through the Christ who rose from the tomb, through the living Christ who rules and reigns. What proves not only the possibility, but the certainty of it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 tells us that, and I think you know what it is by now. Romans chapter 8 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal physical bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Say, that's a strange thing. How can can the death of Christ and his resurrection change me? How can that happen? Through the Spirit of the living God, the same one who made the heavens and the earth, the same one who rules now, who sustains all that is, the same one who walked out of the empty tomb and turned everything over. Everything on its head, the natural order of things. Colossians 2, we sing the victor's crown, and I love that song, and the Lord Jesus is the victor over death, hell, and the grave. Let me just read this for you. You don't have to turn there. Colossians chapter 2 Verses 12 through 15 says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith, in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, and you, he's speaking to believers, followers of Christ, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. You see, the problem is your sin and my sin stands in the way of God doing that work in our life that he wants to do. And nothing you can do can overcome that. It's just a, it's, it's a hill too high. It's a bridge too far. You, you, you cannot overcome the fact that you're separated from God by your sins. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I'm not as bad as this person. I, I, I'm pretty good. That's not the issue. Where do you stand before a holy God? And all of us fall woefully and eternally short without Christ. That's it. It's not about becoming what you think might look like a good Christian. It's not about going to church and doing churchy things. It is asking the Lord, Lord, would you please forgive me? I know that I've sinned against you. We've sinned against others. We've even sinned against ourselves. But we've most importantly sinned against our God. Lord, would you forgive me? Lord, I believe in the debt that was paid for me on the cross. I believe in Jesus who paid it with His own blood, His own life, His own agony, His own suffering. And I believe that He overcome death. And He walked out of the grave and He is alive. And I'm going to live my life for Him. He forgave us all of our trespasses. Verse 14 says, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He disarmed rulers. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it. This is what he did on the cross. He took all of your debt and he nailed it there. It was nailed there with him. And it's all canceled. 
if you put your trust in Him. Everything you've ever done. Now, let's give you a free pass and say it's just a get-out-of-hell-free card. I can do whatever I want to do. Okay, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Now I'm going to go ahead and live my life and do what I want to do. But the, the, the mystery and the, and, the, and the greatness of this is that the Lord took your sin and my sin and we rung up a, 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 a credit card debt, a spiritual credit card debt that we could never pay. Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever get in credit card debt trouble? It's easy to do. It's easy to just live our life and kind of go through the motions and not realize that we're ringing up a sin debt. We don't even realize that we're just kind of going through life, dealing with all the stuff. But before we know it, we are deep in spiritual debt and we don't know how to get out of it. It's higher than our head. It's more than we can do. Jesus nailed it to the cross. Jesus disarmed the ruler of death that was master over us. He disarmed him completely. Your debt has been canceled this morning. Your former rulers, your oppressors, your master of death that all your life you live under, disarmed. Death could not hold him. I love that Jesus took the very instrument that all of us live under the cloud of. The sword of Damocles hangs over all of us. All of us are under the death sentence. Big talk about execution in the state of Arkansas. Big news. Everyone has heard of it. Even across the country, they're talking about execution. Some of you may be on one side or the other, but the truth is we are all under a death sentence. Every one of us. And only the Lord, the judge of all the earth, can stay your execution. And there's only one way he will do that. If your debt has been paid. Has it? But has through Christ. Have you accepted that payment? Bowed before him? Trusted him? Said, Lord, I give my loyalty, my love, and my devotion to you. I commit my life to you. Now, you can go on in the natural order of things, just living your life, doing the best you can. Stuff happens, life goes on, bad things happen, some good things happen, but you're just kind of rocking along, headed toward death. Then what are you going to do? That's really something you need to consider. I know it sounds strange, but what if this strange fact that Jesus rose from the dead is true? And it is. Let's pray. His heads are bowed for just a moment and eyes closed. You're not here by accident today. You're not here because the church opened today. You're here because God cares about you. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly what you're going through. He brought you here today. You may not even realize it. But there is a God who rules over all heaven and earth. There is a God who will make all things right one day. But He wants to make things right in your heart and in your life. He's made that possible through the death of His Son Jesus on the cross. It proves His love for you. Would you receive His love? Would you receive His free gift of eternal life? We're not going to ask you to join a church or do anything like that. Just right where you are before we sing our last song today. Maybe you'd just like to bow your head and your heart before the Lord and say, Lord, this is a strange thing I've heard. But Lord, I want you to speak to me. And, and Lord, if it's true, would you let me know that? Would you draw me to you and help me to know 
that you are alive and it changes everything that you're alive. If you want to talk with someone, I'd be glad to talk with you. Talk with you later. Talk with you today. It's the most important decision you can make. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your son, the Lord Jesus. What a beautiful name. And Lord, thank you that the way things are are not the way things they are not the way they have to be. Lord, the way things are in these individuals' lives whom you brought here today are not always the way they have to be. The way marriages are, the way families are, the way people are struggling, it doesn't have to be that way. Grace can reign in their life through Christ. And I pray, Lord, you'd speak to hearts and that some would realize that. I pray some dads would realize that, some husbands would realize that. Lord, I pray you'd speak and continue to help people to understand. Even after we leave in a moment, help people to understand how much you care for them and what you've done for them through the cross, through Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you for walking out of the tomb, disarming, taking death's weapon away and slaying it with its own weapon. Thank you, Lord, that you did that for us through your death, burial, and resurrection. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.